This is The Fray Podcast, brought to you by thefray.com, a place for women who want more from life. Today's episode is a solo podcast, a bit of a sit down and have a chat. It's a bit of a mixed bag. I'm going to share with you a book recommendation. I'm going to answer some questions from the Frey Facebook group and also offer you some journaling prompts. So first and foremost, I will start with the book recommendation. Now, I know that so many of you are also fellow bookworms and I tend to go through stages of reading fiction and then non-fiction and I might read a really similar genre and then I'll kind of exhaust my capacity on that genre and move on but I always really really enjoy a good novel where I feel like I can connect to the characters and that's my favorite kind of reading. I do really like personal development podcasts and audiobooks but for me when I pick up a physical copy of a book I really want to escape into someone else's narrative, into a different story. And so this book that I really, really recommend is called Sunset by Jessie Cave. Now, I believe this is her debut novel, so it's her first one and so good. What drew me to this book, other than the cover, because it's a beautiful cover, it's a very eye-catching cover, it's bright pink with an orange heart, like a sunset being the name, I was about to say like half a sun, but it's obviously a sunset on the horizon and it's textural. If you feel the cover, the sun shape feels different to the rest of the book. It's really well done. But on the cover is um, a quote from Dolly Alderton and I am obsessed with her. You'll probably remember I recommended her book Ghosts very highly. I love her writing. I think she's brilliant And so I was like, oh, she's recommended it. I trust her. I trust her judgment. And then when I flipped it over, there was another endorsement from Pandora Sykes, who is another writer who I really admire and I enjoy her. Pandora and Dolly actually have a podcast. They no longer do it, but their past episodes are brilliant. So anyway, that's what made me pick the book up, the cover, the endorsement from Dolly Alderton on the cover. And I always just read like the first page when I'm in a bookstore because I want to make sure that the way the author writes connects with me. And straight away, I was like, oh, yeah, look no further. This is the book for me. Love it. It is about two sisters. Um, It is, well, I'll read you the quote on the front. It says, heartbreaking, funny and bittersweet, a phenomenal debut. And I agree with that. It is heartbreaking it's bittersweet. It is, I found a really like refreshing and real read. And so I'll read you the back because I don't want to give too much away, but it says one summer can change everything. Ruth and Hannah are sisters bonded by love and friendship. They are perplexingly different characters. Hannah is radiant, organized, and hardworking. Ruth is forever single and totally aimless. Together, they are invincible. Every summer, they go on a budget holiday together where they bicker, laugh, fight, and make up. But this time is different. Something bad happens, and now everything is changed forever. 
and it definitely has really devastating moments, but there's just so much richness in the characters. You know, when you feel invested in characters, that's how I felt when I was reading this book, very similar to Ghost. So I strongly recommend it. Ultimately, it's about the bond between two sisters, grief, and how, I guess, how time moves us along through that grief journey, perhaps would be a way that I would explain it. But yeah, loved it. I think I bought my copy from Big W. So that is Sunset by Jessie Cave, if you need a great story to escape into. And I literally found myself so attached to this story that in between reading it, I was like carrying the book around like a baby. Um, I don't know. Anyway, I just noticed that I was doing that. Like, it's a sort of book that I found so hard to put down that I was reading it. You know, when the kids jumped into the shower, I'd pick it up and try and get through a few pages. And, you know, that feeling of loving a book and wanting to get to the end of it because you just want to know more versus loving a book and not wanting it to end. It's that bittersweet feeling that I felt. So I'm looking forward to reading more of her work if she brings out more books, which I'm sure she will. So that's my book recommendation. Second, I am going to jump into the Frey Facebook group. If you're not part of the Frey Facebook group, it's a mouthful, come on over, join us. It's a free, obviously, Facebook group. It's just hopefully going to be a community of like-minded women who are willing to share and show up and have conversations. I know there have been book recommendations in there. I often invite feedback about the podcast to happen in that group. I think even must have been last week, maybe the week before, I was having trouble thinking of a name for a podcast episode. So just asking the brain's trust, which is you guys, the listener who really cares and is invested for your opinion and your feedback. So if you're not part of that group and you would like to be, come on over. And so I posted in there asking for questions for this solo episode. So I will quickly bring those up and I'll move through them and answer, answer them. Okay. So how to stop comparing yourself to others The comparison trap is such a slippery slope and it's such a human thing. I think that we all do it. And, you know, I think historically, if we cast our mind back, you know, to hundreds and hundreds of years ago when we were living in tribes and we had our little groups, it was important to compare yourself to one another in terms of seeing how you're doing, making sure everyone's okay. Perhaps that's where this comparison started. But right now it's at a whole other level. It's It's not actually for our wellness or to measure our health or anything like that. It feels more like now comparison is about measuring our shortcomings. And I'm sure a lot of you can relate to that. And more than ever, we are so bombarded with measuring sticks to beat ourselves with and prove prove the gap of our shortcoming. We've got social media coming at us with perfectly curated images from everything from, you know, the perfect family to the perfect home styling, to the perfect outfit, to the perfect way to eat, to move, to blah, 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 blah. And so we've got a lot of that input coming at us and it's coming at us in our own four walls. So I think nowadays the comparison trap is probably more extreme than it has ever been because, you know, 20 years ago, people weren't inviting this sort of content into their home 
in the way that we do now. Yes, there were fashion magazines available and you could pay the money to buy a magazine. You know, and I remember when I was hairdressing, I would always walk past the magazines. And of course, I was in a hair salon, so I was surrounded by magazines that had all sorts of headlines about how you can, you know, lose fat and improve yourself and look like this celebrity and all of that stuff, like literally how you can measure yourself against these women and men that were put on pedestals that was there, but not to the extent that it is nowadays. And so I think that we have to really take a lot of responsibility for what we're bringing into our home via our phone. And, you know, sometimes I'll get into a DM exchange with someone and it can be for, you know, any sort of reason. And I will say, thank you. Like, thank you for allowing me into your home via your phone and via the podcast. That's a real honor. And it is an honor but it's not one that I think should be bestowed upon anyone and everyone. And so taking responsibility for the content you're consuming via your phone is so important. If you find that you spend time on Pinterest, but then you end up feeling like you're not good enough because you're comparing your life to strangers or Instagram or Facebook or Snapchat or whatever it is, the responsibility has to, I think, start with you in terms of really curating what you're seeing. That would be my first kind of tip when it comes to stop comparing yourself to others. The other thing that I would suggest is trying to zoom out, give yourself more perspective. And when I read this question, what came up for me was I remember years ago, a post or writing a post about comparing children. And when you have kids, often one of the ways you will bond or you'll find yourself having a conversation with another parent is about comparing what your child does or doesn't do. And often it's just from a place of innocence of like, oh, John. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. He's not using the toilet yet or... Sarah, whatever it is, she still can't ride or can't tie her shoelaces or can't do this or can't do that. And it dawned on me how, how broad a child's abilities are and how unfair it is to compare a natural strength of one child's with a potential, I don't want to say weakness, but whatever. We'll just go weakness because strength, weakness, it makes sense you know, with one of their natural areas where they're a little bit weaker in life. That's not fair. It's not fair to say, oh, Johnny can't ride without training wheels yet. And look, your son can, because that, that child might just have more of a natural ability to balance. That child might have less of a risk aversion. 
And so if you're going to start comparing things, I think zooming out is important. And what I mean by that is like, imagine if you were comparing everything, you know, like imagine a really massive whiteboard where you put everything up there. And so we can stick with the kids analogy. So we can go like toilet training, walking, talking, their emotional intelligence, sleeping, uh, confidence, um, I don't know, whatever, 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 you know, fill in the gaps. If you put all of that up on a whiteboard and then compared everyone against using all of those things, gosh, I hope I'm making sense. I hope I'm not going too far, too far down a tangent here. But if you put like a hundred things up on a board and then compared kids, you would see some kids are better at one thing. Other kids are better at another thing. And it's the same thing with adults. You might look through someone's feed or observe the tip of the iceberg of someone else's life and feel like you're less than. But if you spewed every single trait or every single experience out onto a whiteboard, you would see they're lacking in other areas that you're doing better in. You know, naturally you're doing better in, or maybe you've worked really hard to do better in. They might appear to have the perfect house, but maybe they, you know, maybe they had a really hard childhood, whereas you had this amazing childhood. Like I just, I want to stress the point of zooming out if you find yourself getting in that comparison trap. I think that's important. The other thing that I think maybe could be important when it comes to comparing yourself to others is to really, really... Think about the root of what's coming up for you. Is it envy? Is it anger? Is it disappointment? Frustration? What is it at the core? So when you're noticing yourself comparing to someone else's journey, what's going on? Is it that you are single in your 30s and all of your friends are getting married and having kids? So you find yourself comparing your journey to their journey. But what's actually at the root there for you? Is it a sadness of not having that in your life? And I guess maybe sitting with that and accepting that sadness. And if you have the capacity and the ability and the wherewithal and you want to, you know, on one hand, just accept that sadness. On the other hand, if you want to, you could turn that sadness into the impetus for the next steps that you're going to take. So if you're feeling that lack of not having someone in your life or really wanting a family, how better can you channel your time and your energy and your emotion, like all of your resources into moving towards that that goal, that desire to meeting that need rather than staying in that loop of feeling less than. I know that that's really helpful for me. If something ever comes up to me and I'm, comes up for me and I feel a certain trigger, I know that that's a really great opportunity. It's an invitation to look at what is below the surface for me. And there is that very well-known saying that comparison is the thief of joy. <laughs> nearly butchered it, <laughs> nearly balsed it, but comparison is the thief. The thief. Why can't I say the thief <laughs> um, of joy? And so, you know, acknowledging that, leaning into it, maybe leaning into some gratitude for the things that you do have and focusing on some of your own skills and abilities and what you have in your life could be helpful. Fingers crossed. Next up, 
how do I end the year? As in, do I recap the previous year and look at goals moving forward? I don't have a specific annual tradition such as, you know, every New Year's Eve, casting my mind back and going through my journals and, you know, that sort of in in that sort of way. But I do really love that feeling of a new year because it just feels like there are so many possibilities. It's starting anew. And I do like to take a little bit of time and I don't have a perfect system for it, but I do like to take a bit of time for myself, whether it's in the last week of the year or the first week of the new year, where I just allow myself to recognize the things that I have either experienced, achieved, in particular for this year, it will be overcome because I feel like this has been a hard year for me personally. And I'm not great at recognizing these things. I'm very much head down, move forward. But the more I learn and understand about self-confidence and self-efficacy, it is important to reflect and affirm yourself, affirm myself on the things that I have achieved because we have such a tendency to minimize stuff that we've been through or stuff that, you know, I shouldn't, I say been through because this has been a hard year for me, but, you know, things that we have acquired, things that we've experienced, goals that you might've ticked off the list. So I do think if this New Year's Eve, you find yourself at home, whether you're alone or whether you're at home with your significant other, maybe you've got young kids, so you're not having a big rager and it doesn't even have to be New Year's Eve, but just having a conversation with your partner and reflecting on the year that has been and reflecting on the wins and the things that you know, you've really enjoyed about the year. I love, love the sentiment of that. I also don't think that you need to wait for a new year to do it. Just recently, I did a bit of a refresh on my vision board. And I think doing a vision board for the year ahead is really nice. And thinking about some short-term goals and also your long-term goals and how to break them down. I love that for the start of a new year. I don't have a concrete practice, like a a system that I use every single year, but I definitely love the idea of reflecting and then maybe doing some mindfulness and some, you know, manifesting for lack of a (laughs) less wanky term um, for the year ahead. Okay, next one. I don't know whether it was a question or more so a statement or maybe a request for a podcast topic, but a relationship breakup recovery plan. I love that concept, you know, uh, an actual recovery plan on what to do. And that has crossed my mind because there are certain people in my life who have been so helpful for me. And so I do like the idea of bringing together some resources and wrapping them in a bow for anyone else who might need it. But it's going to be a fair bit of work. And I think that That's the sort of thing, you know, maybe I dedicate a whole podcast episode to. There are great resources out there. Um, I had someone recently ask me on Instagram if I can share some tips on separating. I've done podcasts in the past with Jackie Curtis, who is a lawyer. I have done a podcast with Cass, Cass Thorburn, and several, probably more than several episodes on my own. 
So perhaps have a little scroll back again through the feed and see if there's an episode title that piques your interest. But I love this idea and that is something I would definitely love to put some energy and time into creating. So thank you for that incredible um, suggestion. Next up, favorite thing to do with the kids and also in my alone time. My most favorite thing to do with the boys, if I'm going to just pick from any experience that, you know, I can have with them is to go away for a night with them. I love taking them somewhere new and seeing them experience a different environment. And, you know, I'm not talking about obviously big overseas holidays right now because that's not possible. Although the boys and I talk about all of the holidays we want to have one day, but even just like a single night away somewhere new and watching the novelty of them see something that is out of the everyday for them is my most favorite thing hands down to do with them. It's always so much fun. I just love that. You know, they get a real kick out of even ordering Uber Eats because we can't get Uber Eats where we live here in Pleasantville. And so, yeah, that's my favorite thing on a, on a macro level, I guess, on more of a micro level. I love our Friday night date nights, depending on what movie they choose. Um, but that's something that I look forward to because it's a tradition. It's something we've done since the boys were three years old. So, Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So if it's a Friday night and they're with me, we're having a super easy um, nutrient what's the word, not nutritious dinner, like just a super easy, like, you know, pizza in the oven type dinner and watching a movie. I love that. I also love going under the waves with them at the beach. That's one of the things that lights them up the most. They think that that's the funniest thing. And I think it's because they feel like they're better at it than me. So they like being my guide in the ocean So that's something I enjoy. We also read together every night and then I take turns sitting with them. So after we read, I will sit with one. I always say to them, it's like five minutes, but it ends up being far longer than that. But I'll sit with them and that's the part of the day where I feel like when the lights are off and they're sleepy, that's when their little stories come out of the woodwork and they'll tell you things that they might not have told you at another time and particularly that one-on-one space because I don't get that with the boys you know and don't cry for me Argentina they're brilliant kids and I'm so glad that I've got twins but I don't get that one-on-one window of time often so I really look forward to that at the end of each day Um, so yeah I would say that what do I like to do on my own? Honestly, I like my alone time now from the boys, probably the most that I ever have, just because it's more familiar and more comfortable. Whereas initially, you know, a couple of years ago, when they would first start going to their dads, I found it so hard 
And don't get me wrong, I still have times where I find it hard and I look at photos of them and I miss them and I want to just have them back with me. But, you know, initially I found it so, so challenging to not have them with me. It was really discombobulating because so much of my identity was in being a mum. And so now I can say, now that we're a little more comfortable and it's, you know, kind of just the done thing now, I do enjoy my kid free time. And as sad as it is, I enjoy the space to actually work really, really concentrated and get as much, get as many things done as I possibly can. I am so productive in the three days that I don't have my boys. I feel like I work a 40 hour week in those three days because I just go full steam because I love, I love what I get to do. And so as an example, today I was up at 6am, I worked for two hours, then I did a workout for an hour and then I worked for another three hours and then I took the dog for a walk and had a phone call with my dad and then I had another podcast. Like it's just, I feel like the flow of my days when I don't have the boys because I'm not confined to being mum in terms of, you know, I don't have all of those things that I have to do on the days that I have the boys because the days that I have the boys, it's wake up, it's breakfast with them, it's school lunches if it's a school day, it's school drop-off, it's laundry, it's, it's all of the things, all of the mental tabs. And whilst I still have the mental tabs even when they're not with me, there's no confinement. There's quite a lot of flow in my day. And again, I am very grateful that I have that flow and I get that flow because I work from home so I can dip in and out. But yeah, I schedule as much work as possible and get through as many tasks as I absolutely can. I also enjoy seeing friends. For example, soon a friend of mine is going to arrive and we're going to go for like an hour's walk into town. I say town, but it's not much of a town where we live, but walk into like the main strip of where we live and get dinner, have dinner there and then walk back home. And of course, that's not something I would do on the nights that I have the boys because you can't, you know, it's just a bit tricky. So I am enjoying that side of things. Um, I said yesterday on my Instagram stories, like my life is pretty boring. I just exercise look after the kids and work, but that is my life. And I feel like that is my time right now to just be doing that. And so that's all I do. I don't have massive, exciting things happening or going on. I would like the borders, you know, when they open back up, I would love to be able to go and see my friends and family who are over in Queensland. But as for now, it's pretty much just rinse and repeat, which I know is not super exciting, but I quite like it. You know, I'm really happy reading a book and getting through my work. So that's me. Um, I don't know if that answered it. What do I do in my alone time? That's basically it. I work out, I work, I read, I clean up the house, I wash the linen, all of those things and see my friends when I can. Okay, next up, lessons from 2021. I will do a whole episode, I think, on this because I would like to give it some serious consideration because as soon as I read this, I was like, oh man, I could think of like five, five standout kind of lessons that I would love to extend on. 
So I will do a whole episode on that. Again, thank you. Like this is why I love the Frey Facebook group because you guys are giving me so many great ideas. Next up, how can we not take on people's emotions? If you are a true empath, it's really hard to not take on someone else's emotions and to protect yourself. I have an episode of the podcast coming up about boundaries, and I think that will be really, really helpful because there's a part in my conversation with the guest where we speak about how, you know, often we kind of confuse our discomfort with someone else, someone else's emotions. And we're, you know, we take, we want to fix the problem for someone else because we're uncomfortable with it. So there's that. But then I guess specifically this question is saying, how can we not take on people's emotions? I guess I'm not an expert at this at all. My first thought is accepting that someone is having those emotions, accepting that you might be a truly empathetic person. I would suggest looking into the work of Judith Orloff, who again, I've interviewed on the podcast. She's brilliant. She's written books on um, how to really protect yourself and protect your energy as an empathetic person. So I would suggest that you have a look into her work. I would say accepting someone else's sad and trying to delineate, draw a boundary between someone else's emotions and your own reality. Maybe mindfulness and meditation could be helpful or having a transitional period if in particular you're talking about taking on someone else's work, someone else's emotional state in a place of work, maybe having a transition period where you don't go straight home from work, you actually go for a 10 minute walk or an extra long walk, or you sing it out in the car with some really loud music and you just try and move through that emotion. A lot of what I'm learning and understanding is about how important it is to really move, like actually physically move an emotion through your body to process it and let it come out because you know we've got to try and think of it like a beginning a middle and an end and you don't want to get stuck in that middle and I imagine if you're constantly taking on other people's emotions you might feel like you're constantly stuck in limbo of not having a resolution so working out a bit of a plan a bit of a you know a mental health plan with yourself of what works for you in moving along which you know, that's why you're asking the question. So I would say, um, look into the work of Judith Orloff, maybe even look at the definition for a highly sensitive person. And there are some brilliant books that are written by a lady by the name of, I think it's Elaine Aaron. I could be wrong there, but if you just Google the highly sensitive person, she's got some really, really great books. Next up, oh, that's it. Next up, I'm going to share with you a couple of journal prompts. Now, earlier in this episode, I have mentioned the term self, um, self-efficacy, self but also self-affirmation. And a book I read recently was talking about how important it is to really affirm your sense of self. And in this book, um, who I've got the author coming on as an episode guest soon, so you'll get to hear directly from him. He talks about how important it is to kind of build evidence of your ability. And so that's been in my mind. And that's why today's prompts that I want to offer you are really about reflecting on parts of yourself that are great and also just building that strong sense of self. 
So I'm going to share with you a couple of journal prompts. You may like to write these prompts down just in your notes on your phone or pen and, or with pen and paper if you can safely do that right now. You might like to just pause here and come back when you can. You might like to do it in real time and I'll ask the prompt and you just journal your answer down on a piece of paper or in your diary, hit pause after each prompt, spew it all out and then move on to the next one, whatever feels good for you. I love a journal prompt if you're struggling to start journaling or you've got a bit of a block around it. I know some people can find it hard to really allow themselves to just answer freely, but just know that whatever comes up for you today, it might not be what would come up for you tomorrow or what would have come up for you yesterday. It's just a reflection of how you feel in this moment today. It doesn't have to mean anything more than just going through the notion of practicing checking in with yourself. So just release any perfectionism standards or fear that someone might read your response because you can always just bin it if you don't want to keep it. But when it comes to self-affirming questions, so I've got a couple for you. So the first one I'm going to ask is, have you ever helped anyone? And can you tell me about a time when you helped someone? So if you can answer, yes, I have helped someone, whatever comes up, write it down. Tell me, tell your diary, tell yourself about that time in your life. You can go broad or you can go really, really detailed. You might have a whole list of things come to mind or it might be a really simple example. But have you helped anyone? Have you ever forgiven anyone? Has someone wronged you and you found it within yourself to forgive that person? Again, this could be something really minor. It could be something recent or from years ago. But I really like this prompt because it invites you to look at your ability and it invites you to really connect with that human side of you that has compassion and has empathy so have you forgiven anyone and can you tell me, tell yourself, tell your diary about that time? Have you ever encouraged someone? Have you encouraged a friend or a family member to take a leap of faith, to push through, to face their adversity? Have you ever encouraged someone? How did you encourage them? What did you say? Can you tell me about that time? Prompt number four is, can you share three small wins that you have had today or that you had yesterday? So if you're journaling first thing in the morning, reflect back to yesterday and just write down the first three wins that come to mind. It could be getting a great car park at the shop. It could be that your baby connected their sleep cycles and you had an hour to yourself rather than half an hour. It could just be that you made it through the day, really. It could be that you made a great dinner. It could be bigger. It could be about a work promotion or connecting with a friend. There, are, It's such a broad, broad question and a win is defined by you. So can you share with me, with your diary, about three 
wins that you have had today or yesterday. Prompt number five, what are three strengths that you recognize within yourself? The first three things that come to mind for you. Now, this can be hard when you might not be used to recognizing what you're good at. So you might need to think about a time you were complimented on something that comes really easily to you, or maybe it's something that's quite hard, but you find yourself doing it anyway. But just three strengths that you can identify that exist within you. Tell me about them. Maybe it's just in dot form. Maybe it's that you're organized. Maybe it's that you're resilient. Maybe it's that you're always loving. Maybe it's your ability to walk into a room and make someone laugh. Just what are three things that you can address? I mean, you can identify, excuse me, as a strength within you. Next up. So this is a bit of a bigger prompt, but it's one that I wanted to invite you to take part in. So there is a, I was going to say thing, it's not a, there's a term called Solomon's Paradox. And basically, I believe it stems from, you know, way back when there was someone mighty and powerful who was amazing at giving advice to other people, but terrible at taking his own advice. And so in psychology, people began to realize that this exists. There are people that can give advice. I mean, we all, I think, find it easier to give advice rather than give advice to ourselves. You know, it's easy to look at someone else when they bring a problem to you and provide them some solution or some encouragement, but then we get stuck. We get stuck in our own stuff and it's not as easy to provide such insightful or helpful advice when it's to ourselves. So this last exercise is really about using the Solomon's paradox way of thinking of journaling down, writing down a problem that you might feel you are currently experiencing. It can be really, really minor. Like it can be a super, you know, what we might call a first world logistical type problem, or it can be much deeper. It could be a real struggle, a limiting belief, a difficult, a very difficult experience. If something pops up for you, write it down, you know, just spew out everything about that thing. So it could be, I mean, it's hard to give an exact example, but you know, Solomon's paradox, you might find yourself really struggling to meet a goal. So you're going to write down all of the reasons why you can't, all of those limiting beliefs. And then you're going to turn the page or get a fresh page. And I want you to write to yourself as if that was a friend, as if that was someone you really, really loved coming to you for guidance. And that's the information they've given you. So it's like about pulling back, adding a bit of perspective and going, okay, if I'm just looking at the problem with, you know, taking myself away from it, what advice would I give myself? If I was acting from what my friend Libby would call my wise mind, what is the guidance I would give this person who is experiencing this feeling, these emotions, this life situation and see what comes up for you. See if you find yourself offering more self-compassion and self-empathy if you almost imagine that it's someone else, a different person coming to you 
and just see what advice you might be really surprised that you actually have some clarity and you have some actions and like literally do these three things, you know, it might be a really, really helpful journaling practice for someone out there. I know it's something I do when I'm noticing that I'm getting stuck in my own thoughts, just stuck in my own stuff, which we all do at times. But yeah, I just try and ask myself, what is the advice I would give someone else? And it's amazing sometimes what comes up and comes out onto the page. So those are a handful of prompts and a bit of an exercise for you to engage in. If you enjoy these kind of prompt episodes, make sure you go and sign up to thefray.com, the F-R-A-E.com, because you're going to love what we have available for you soon. And journaling is just such a great way to get in touch You know, as I mentioned earlier, when I spoke about the, you know, likelihood of us comparing ourselves to other people because we're so bombarded with imagery and stimulation all the time, it's really easy. It's really, really easy to look outside of ourselves. And I think journaling is just such a great practice to actually look within and reconnect. So anyway, I hope you've enjoyed this solo episode. I've got some fantastic guests coming up for you come over to the Facebook group. If you like this episode, let me know. And I look forward to sharing more episodes with you very, very soon. This is what I want. This is what I need. If you don't have to go, I can set you free. Are you going to make a move? Are you going to come and see? Whatever you want to do, you know what's cool with me. Whisper in the dark. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started 